Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. This is Dr. Dan. My grandparents immigrated to our country from Europe around 1900. They came to participate in the financial opportunities afforded by our free market economy to create a prosperous future for their families and to live as free citizens. Of course, I wasn't present at the ceremony at which they took the oath of citizenship, but I can imagine their chests swelling with pride as each of them said the Pledge of Allegiance for the first time as a citizen. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. And that's the key. Loyalty to a piece of cloth only because it represents our American republic and the Constitution that secured and protected their natural law rights as if they had been born here. Since the founding of our nation, Countless men and women have battled to preserve our nation and the liberty it affords to those who accept the responsibility and obligations that come with freedom. In every instance, our nation's flag, the stars and stripes, was the visible symbol of the principles that were so courageously fought for and so valiantly protected. It was in just such a battle that inspired Francis Scott Key to write the poem that became our national anthem. The Star-Spangled Banner memorializes the bravery with which our flag and our nation were defended at Fort McHenry in the Battle of Baltimore during the War of 1812. Here with me today on Freedom Forum Radio to tell the story of that battle is Cherokee County Sheriff Derek Palmer. Sheriff Palmer. Thank you. One of my favorite stories throughout history is the story of the the writing of the Star-Spangled Banner. Uh, We know that it was at the end of the War of 1812. As a matter of fact, it was September 14th of 1814, uh, two years after the war had started. Um, Francis Scott Key, who was trying to negotiate the release of prisoners that was held on a warship off the coast of Fort McHenry in Baltimore, uh, went to the ship to try to uh, negotiate a release of such prisoners. While he was on the ship, he was taken captive, basically, while the ship was not allowed to go back to shore because the British Armada had told him 
that in just a few short hours they would be bombing Fort McHenry and that any deals they had would be purely academic at best, that in just a little bit the war armada would unleash its fury on Fort McHenry and take over the United States of America and take over uh, and once again be under British rule. Uh, upon standing on that ship and, and watching what was about to take place, underneath the decks were men who were soldiers who were held captive. And when uh, they started to tell him what was about to happen, their hearts sank. But they told him they did give you a way out. The only thing they had to do to, to create the, the peace that was needed to keep the bombshells from falling, to keep the, the missiles from falling there, the bombs dropping on them, uh, would be to lower that American flag. If they would lower the flag, they would not be bombed. Uh, the war would be over. They'd be back under British rule, and they could uh, save countless lives just by doing that. As they started to bomb throughout the night, there was uh, uh, obviously intent that they would not lower that flag. Francis Scott Key would hear the men from underneath the ship yelling up, is the flag still flying? Is the flag still there? And he would holler back down under the ship, yes, the flag is still there, it's still flying. And Francis Scott Key reported that he could hear the men in the belly of the ship praying to God, God, please let that flag fly. God, please do not let that flag fall. Please let it fly because they knew if that flag was to fall off that pole or be lowered that they'd be once again under British rule. After bomb after bomb, Falling on Fort McHenry, the British war fleet could not understand what was happening because they were direct hits to the flagpole. By all accountability, that flag should be on the ground. It should have fallen by now. However, it hasn't. It was still standing. It was battered. It was crooked. It was ripped. It was torn. But all through the night, as the bombs kept uh, falling and kept exploding, uh, they would see that flag still standing, that flag still flying. The next morning as the sun rose and as the fog uh, was lifting off the ramparts, the men in the ship was curious as to know uh, why that the flag had not fallen and why the flag was still standing. And the British were out of ammunition. They were out of anything else to throw at Fort McHenry and had to tuck their tails and go back to Britain. They released the prisoners in the belly of the ship and Francis Scott Key and allowed them to go back to the shores of Fort McHenry. When they crawled up on that rampart and they looked at that flag and they looked at the people that was there of countless women and children and soldiers uh, that was in that fort, they quickly realized what had happened. All through the night, bomb blast after bomb blast, men would walk from their homes and kiss their children and wives goodbye as they would go out and they'd take a hold of that flagpole physically with their hand and hold it up. They couldn't understand why it was crooked but not fallen. Man after man all through the night would stand there a hold of that flagpole until they gave their lives, until they died holding that flag up. What was holding that flag up, and the reason it was crooked but battered and but had not fallen, was the dead bodies that surrounded that pole. Men after men would crawl upon the dead bodies and take a hold of that pole and stand there until their own death. And they would hold that flag in freedom and know that that's what it meant for us to be free and for us to not be under British rule. Francis Scott Key, after seeing this, after experiencing what he experienced throughout the night, and after seeing the results of what happened the next morning, he took a pen to paper and he penned the words, 
of the first verse of the Star Spangled Banner that says, Oh, say, can you see, by the dawn's early light, what so proudly we held at the twilight's last gleaming, whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight, or the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming, and the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air, gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. Oh, say, does that star-spangled banner yet wave or the land of the free and the home of the brave? People often wonder why that we don't let the flag touch the ground. The people often wonder why we give it so much respect. People wonder why that we pay so much homage to the flag. It was quite simply because men gave their lives to keep that flag from touching the ground. Men gave their lives to keep that flag flying. Therefore, we should honor their memory today and understand that we live in a free country only because men gave their lives for our freedom. And the last verse of the Star-Spangled Banner says, And thus be it ever when freemen shall stand between their loved homes and war's desolation. Blessed with victory and peace, may the heaven-rescued land praise the power that hath made and preserved us a nation. Then conquer we must, when our cause it is just. And this be our motto, and God is our trust. And the star-spangled banner and triumph shall wave, or the land of the free and the home of the brave. I think one of the big uh, things that we have done in America is we've done a disservice to our younger generations that have come up. We have school systems now that doesn't see the importance of uh, putting our history into the school lessons. We have a nation that doesn't see the importance of teaching our children and younger generations where we come from. And I think it's up to us as Americans to pass on those traditions and pass on the history of this great country. There's no wonder why we have people standing in protest of this country because they don't know where we come from. They don't know what we stand for. And I think as Americans, we need to make sure we all understand what we stand for as a country, and why we believe the way we believe. If you look at the words of the Star-Spangled Banner, especially the last verse, it is really clear that the founders of this nation believed in God and that our Constitution was written with the thought in mind that we are a godly, just people, uh, a people who understand that there is a moral right and a moral wrong. Uh, that really, if you, if you can't understand it, it, then you really have problems uh, living in, under a free uh, government. Freedom requires to understand when you do something wrong, it's wrong, and when you do something right, it's right. That moral distinction is what allows you to be free. Well, the question I have is for people who doesn't believe in the morality of God, who doesn't believe there is a God, or doesn't believe God exists then what justifies right or wrong? And if you don't believe in those precepts and you don't believe in the rules and regulations that is based off those precepts and you don't believe there is a God who ordains things and puts things together, then we have no rules. We have no regulations. We are basically just living life however we want to live with no purpose and no meaning. And I think that's what we've done a lot of times to our younger generation if we've convinced them that they're a product of evolution 
We've convinced them that they're a product of random chance, and therefore we're teaching our kids that they have no purpose, they have no meaning. And so when you put God's laws and perspectives in with that and the foundation of our country, we realize that we are a country of rules. We are a country of regulation. We are a country that's built upon those moral standards that God has ordained, that God has put together. Our founders believed in natural law rights, and you know that natural law rights are divine in our origin. Natural law rights are what we have as individual sovereign citizens given to us by God. Natural law rights do not impose an obligation on any other person. When you read the Constitution, you understand that our founders knew this, and they wrote a document that would govern how we would interact with each other and how we would interact with our government and how the government would interact with us. And they knew that if we had rights that were divinely given to us and that those rights that we have, that I have as a person, did not require you to give me those rights and the government was not there to give me those rights, that God gave me those rights, that's why they are morally right. A right that's given to you by the government, okay, uh, is a right that you, someone has to pay for. That's the difference between natural law rights and government-granted rights. Government-granted rights, it's a misnomer because government-granted rights can be taken away. Natural law rights cannot because God gave them to each of us by birth. Right, and if you look at our founding fathers and their thought process of what government should be, uh, from my understanding of what I've done in my research looking at our founding fathers in government, is that they believe that government should stay out of the way of the people, that government should be there only to, to intervene in times when people were hurting other people or times that, that they were imposing rights upon people, and that the government itself should stay out of the way of the people. But I think more and more we have flip-flopped that and reversed it where people think that their rights come from the government that the government is the one that dictates how they live their life. And that's right opposite of what our founding fathers originally intended. For instance, if, if I have the natural law right of free speech, I can speak all I want. Right. But I cannot force you to listen to me. If the government says you have a right to a house, let's say, or you have a right to food, well, the government does not earn money. The only way the government can give you anything is to first take it from someone else. So that, in essence, means that the government is a slave owner. He owns you as a slave to take the, the fruits of your labor from you and give them to someone else. And you know that someone who was forced to work for the benefit of another is called a slave. Right. One of the most interesting books I think I've ever read, it's a very small book, it's, I think it's less than 100 pages, is entitled How Do You Kill 11 Million People? And the book is about how Nazi Germany uh, did not uh, force the Jewish people to get on the trains, did not force them into concentration camps. Basically what they did, they talked them into it. They encouraged them to get on the trains. They promised them a better future. They promised them a better life, a utopia. And these people willingly got on the train and willingly rode to their death uh, just because they had faith in the government. And, and that book equates what is happening in the United States of America now and how our government 
has taught the citizens into getting on the train. And they've taught the citizens in putting their trust into the government instead of those rights that you, that you spoke of earlier about our rights from God. And we've turned our focus off of God and our godly rights onto depending on the government, and we're willingly getting on that train to ride to our death. And really, as you mentioned earlier, the, the key is education. It is essential that our children learn the history, the true history, not the doctored history, but the true history of our nation. Our nation was formed by great people. They were godly people, and they understood that under God's will, God's law, that they could write a means of governing us so that we were free. And that freedom is what inspired men to hold up that flag at Fort McHenry. The knowledge that their acts would keep us a free nation of sovereign citizens, sovereign states. And that's the story of the Star-Spangled Banner. Sheriff Derek Palmer, thanks <laughs> Thank for you. being here. Thank you. It's good to be here today. Stay tuned after the break for an important announcement. I want to tell you all about a very special event that is taking place in our area on Saturday, September the 10th. The Sons of Liberty Riders is sponsoring our fourth annual Benghazi Day Memorial Ride to honor and memorialize the Benghazi Four, Ambassador Christopher Stevens, Sean Smith, Glenn Doherty, and Tyrone Woods. The 100-mile escorted ride will begin at the Courthouse Square, Main and River Streets in Hiawassee, Georgia, and proceed to the Courthouses and Veterans Memorials in Hayesville, Blairsville, Blue Ridge, Ducktown, and Murphy. At each stop, there will be a short memorial ceremony involving prayer, the Pledge of Allegiance, a short speech by a local official, the playing of taps and amazing grace on the bagpipe, and the planting of a memorial sign. In Murphy, the ride concludes at the historic Hen Theater for the final ceremony and a special showing of the movie, 13 Hours, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi. The event is free for all riders. The Sons of Liberty Riders is a national riding community whose mission is to unite patriots, to protect the Constitution, to restore the rule of law, and to promote individual freedom. On September 10th, we will be joined by riders from the American Legion Riders, Combat Vets, Nam Knights, and other independent veteran rider groups. If you don't ride, we would like to invite everyone to participate in any of the courthouse ceremonies. Here are the approximate times. Hiawassee, Georgia, 10 a.m., Hayesville, North Carolina, 11 a.m., Blairsville, Georgia, noon, Blue Ridge, Georgia, 1 p.m., Ducktown, Tennessee, 2 p.m., and Murphy, North Carolina, 3 p.m. at the Hen Theater. Show up to show your support for the Benghazi Four. Men are not dead until they are forgotten. This is Dr. Dan. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property. 
that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Oh, <laughs> 